Veritas Mizzou podcast. Veritas is the college ministry of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. Our greatest hope is to see more and more college students believe that Jesus is more. To get connected, check out our weekly meeting on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. on Mizzou's campus. For specific details about where we meet, how to join a small group, or more information about Veritas, visit us online at veritasmizzou.com. To stay in the loop with what we're up to, follow Veritas Mizzou on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you're encouraged by this message. Well, hey guys, uh, my name's Jensen. If we haven't met, I'm really glad that you guys are here tonight. And I honestly just want to get tonight started with a question. And it's pretty similar to the question on the screen, but what comes to your mind when you hear the word waste? Maybe it's toxic waste. Maybe you think about how much time you waste. Maybe you're really into sustainability, so you think about zero waste. I know for me, I tend to think about wasting money. And I was uh, looking at a couple of articles the other day, and I ran across one titled, 15 Unbelievable Things Celebrities Wasted Money On. And of course, I was immediately intrigued because when I waste money, I go to Chick-fil-A one too many times a week, or I buy yet another candle at Target that I definitely don't need. But celebrities wasting money, that's like the big leagues. So clearly, I read the article and it did not disappoint. And I just wanna share a few that I really loved. So Kim and Kanye, of course, they're on this list, it's Kim and Kanye. They actually, I found out as I was reading the article, have their own list of 15 things that they've wasted money on, but I just wanna share my favorite one. So when you get married, it's kind of normal tradition to give your future spouse a wedding gift. And so Kanye, he's about to marry Kim and he's racking his brain and he comes up with this. He buys the right to franchise 10 Burger Kings in Europe. Very romantic, right? Like, mediocre fast food, here you go, hon. It's estimated to have cost him millions of dollars, right? And the thing is, is that you might be able to argue it's, it's a business, right? So he's gonna make money, so it's not really a waste. But the thing is, is that he never actually built them. Like, they don't exist. He just, he bought the rights to build 10 Burger Kings and then just decided mm, that was enough, you know, whatever, I'm just not gonna build them which is crazy, it's so wasteful. But what's even crazier is my favorite one. I don't know if you guys like Miley Cyrus. I do mostly because I like Hannah Montana. Maybe it's just me and Sydney, but she's pretty cool. Um, but Miley went out and she bought herself a $150,000 Range Rover. Okay, and Miley's pretty wealthy, right? So maybe spending 150 grand on a car isn't actually that wasteful for her. Maybe even some of you in this room are like, someday I hope I can buy a $150,000 car. But the thing is, the thing is that she doesn't actually use this car. No, she bought this car for her dogs. This is a car that she bought solely, like its, it's sole purpose is so that whenever her dogs need to go anywhere, like I guess the park or the groomer, she uses this car so that she doesn't get her other car dirty, but she can get her $150,000 Range Rover dirty. I love it. I thought I was pretty lucky when I turned 16 and my dad gave me like his hand-me-down car, but now that I know that Miley Cyrus's dog's got a Range Rover, I'm feeling like a little salty. But for real, right? Like these things, they're extravagant. They're ridiculous. 
They're definitely wasteful, but they kind of seem like outliers. Like, none of us are actually going around and wasting hundreds of thousands worth of dollars, I hope. Probably not. But that doesn't mean that we're not wasting things, right? You probably know by now that on your iPhone, honestly, if you have an Android, I don't know if you can do this. I didn't look it up. You probably can. But on your iPhone, you can see how much time you waste on your phone, your screen time. You can go, you can see even like how much time you spend on each app. And it's embarrassing to admit, but on the weekends, I can get up to four or five, sometimes six hours staring at my phone, which is embarrassing, right? I see that and I'm like, woof, that's bad. But even more than that, I, I feel this deep regret. Like I kind of feel like I'm wasting my life. Like, am I missing out on doing something big with my life if the only thing that I apparently can figure out to do is to play Among Us with strangers on the internet or scroll mindlessly on Instagram? I hate that feeling. And I don't think that I'm alone in this. I think that maybe we all have this fear of wasting our lives. And I think that it can be a really scary thing. I feel like as I've grown up my whole life, I've been told by people not to waste things. Like when I was little, my mom always told me, don't waste your food. She always made us finish all of the food on our plates. And then when I got to high school, it was don't waste your chance to play sports. And then by the time I got to senior year, it was don't waste your final year at home. And then college, don't waste the best four years of your life. You'll never be this free again. As, I, as I've grown up, I've been warned against wasting so many things. And it feels like at each new stage of life, there's something else that I have to take hold of, that I have to grasp, that I have to enjoy. Maybe you guys have heard similar things. And I think it really comes down to the fact that we, we don't want to waste any bit of our lives. It's why we have cultural phrases like YOLO, Make the most of your time now. Don't waste it because you only live once. Or FOMO. We're terrified of missing out on anything because we don't want to waste an experience. See, it's why we say things like chase your dreams. Don't wait. We hate to waste our talent to get to the end of our lives and feel like we've squandered everything. But here's a question. How can you know? How can you know if we're wasting our lives? See, hindsight is 2020. We look back and we can see I wasted that weekend, but I need to know today. And there's a lot of different voices telling us a lot of different things about how we should be living our lives, how we should make a difference in the world. And the thing is, is that none of those voices are really saying the same thing. Like the other day, I was combing through an article. It was 100 pieces of advice from people over 100 on how to not waste your life. It's a mouthful. But as I was reading it, I realized that not one person said the same thing. Even more than that, a lot of the piece of, pieces of advice were really contradicting. Like if you were to take all of their advice to not waste any of your life, you need to make sure that while you were young, you, you went out and you partied and you drank and you had a good time, you lived it up, you went and you traveled, you saw everything that you possibly can and don't waste any expense because you're only young once but also at the same time, make sure that you're being frugal so that you can save up your money so you can spend around 80 grand to get a good education and don't waste it. So make sure that you spend all your spare time studying so that one day you can graduate and get a job that you love so you can make a difference in the world so you never want to retire. And while you're 
studying and also simultaneously living it up in college, you also need to make sure that you have time to find the perfect spouse so that you can settle down, get married young, have kids, so that you can spend as much of your life as possible with your family because your family is really all that matters in life. Fall in love, get married, invest in your family, but make sure to not waste your youth by being too responsible. See, all these different voices, they're saying so many different things and their advice, it just ends up not being helpful because it seems like no matter what we do, we're gonna miss out on something. If I study and work hard, I'm probably not living it up in college. And we get to this place where it feels like we're always gonna be missing out on something. We're always gonna be wasting something. And that's a problem, isn't it? Should I take the internship that pays well and that's practical, or do I take the dream one, the one I've always wanted? When I graduate, do I move home to be closer to family, or do I stay here in Columbia to invest in the friendships and the community that I've built? Do I date the guy, or do I stay single and enjoy my friendships? Should I spend my nights at small group and go to church on the weekends, or should I spend my nights and weekends building a social life? And be really careful, because we'd all hate to be 100 and be looking back, wishing we hadn't wasted our life away, we hadn't made the wrong choices. No one wants that. But the problem is that we don't know who's right. How can we be sure? How can we be positive we aren't 20 years into wasting our lives? Well, in tonight's passage, Jesus, he's gonna give us an answer to that question. And I wanna warn you, it's not really an easy answer, and so I hope that you'll take the time to hear him out. Because tonight, we're gonna be reading from John 12, and in our passage, we're going to see two different people encounter Jesus. And these are two people that from the outside look pretty similar. But as we dig into the scripture, I think we'll see that these two people, they couldn't be any more different. John 12, verse one. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus's honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took out a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on, the, on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. So the Mary that we meet in this passage is someone that we meet throughout the Gospels. Her siblings are mentioned here in this passage, Lazarus, her brother, and Martha, her sister. And what I want us to know about Mary before we really dig in is that when we see Mary in the Gospels, we find her again and again sitting at the feet of Jesus. See, the first time that we meet Mary, she's praised by Jesus for sitting at his feet because she's learning alongside the disciples, which was something that women in her culture were not often permitted to do. Then later, just a few chapters before ours, we see Mary running to Jesus, falling down at his feet and mourning the loss of her brother Lazarus. Kyle talked about this last week, but Jesus is so moved by Mary's weeping, by her sadness over her brother, that he also weeps with her. And then he raises him back from the dead. And so it should be no surprise to us that in our passage tonight, we see Mary yet again at the feet of Jesus. 
This time though, rather than learning from him or taking comfort from him, she's pouring something out of great value at the feet of Jesus. Verse three tells us that Mary has a pint of pure nard. And maybe you don't know what that is. I didn't know what it was, but John tells us it's a rare and expensive perfume. It's something that would have cost an entire year's worth of wages. And we don't know how Mary got it, but we do know that this is something in her culture that would have been incredibly rare to have. It would have been incredibly valuable. It would have been something to show off, to put up on a shelf, to take pride in owning. But instead of doing that, Mary takes the jar and she pours every bit of it out at the feet of Jesus. Like this isn't just a spritz of the good stuff. This this is her wasting an incredible amount of money as she pours the entire jar out at the feet of Jesus. And on top of this, we learn that she uses her hair to wipe Jesus' feet. And to us, right, that's like a little weird. Like why use your hair that's kind of gross? But I want us to know that in Mary's culture, this would have been even more so out of line. See, women in her culture, they weren't supposed to be seen with their hair down except by their husbands. And so to have her hair down in front of a dinner party, well, that would have been to associate herself with what her society called loose women. So first, she's financially wasteful by pouring out the entire bottle of pure nard. But now, she's also wasting her reputation at the feet of Jesus. And if all of that wasn't enough, well, the fact that Mary's even at the feet of Jesus, that she's washing his feet, well, that would have been the job of a servant. And so Mary, she's humbling herself here. She's laying down her pride. She's lowering herself. She's lowering her status in the group to be at the feet of Jesus. So Mary, she's wasting her money, her reputation, and her status to be at the feet of Jesus. And she gets called out for it, continuing on in verse four. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Why waste so much money? Why give so much up? Why didn't she sell it and give the money to the poor? Don't they need it? Why waste this on Jesus? Honestly, it seems like a fair point. But then Jesus, he defends her. Verse seven, leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. So maybe... Some of you are like me, and you're kind of thinking, weirdly, I agree with Judas. Like, maybe I shouldn't because, you know, he's Judas. But it seems bad, right? Like, shouldn't Mary and Jesus care, like, a little bit more about the poor? Even to the disciples, Judas probably would have looked good here. Remember, this is before his betrayal of Jesus, before he revealed his duplicity. And so at this point, he really just looks like a faithful disciple, someone who's trying to be practical, who's trying to keep Mary from being wasteful. But here's the thing. Jesus knew Judas's heart and he knew Mary's heart. 
And I intentionally skipped verse six, and I wanna go back and read it because I think it's gonna help shed some light on what's going on here. He, Judas, did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself with what was put into it. See, we learn here that Judas, he's not really being altruistic at all, is he? He's being greedy. Judas wanted Mary to sell the perfume so that he could take from the prophets. See, Judas, he doesn't care about the poor. He's mad because Mary is wasting something on Jesus that he could have gained from. See, Jesus, he knows this. He knows this, and he says, no, no, it's not a waste. It's not a waste for Mary to humbly devote herself to me. It's not a waste for her to spend precious time at my feet. It's not a waste for her to anoint her king while she still has time with him. Jesus is making it clear to Judas, a life poured out at my feet is never a waste. A life poured out at the feet of Jesus is never a waste. Mary didn't let money, status, or reputation stop her from worshiping and pouring her life out to Jesus. Why? Well, because she knew that while the world may think that she's wasting her life at the feet of Jesus, she knew that Jesus was worth wasting everything for. See, she loves him. He's her king, he's her friend. He's the one who gave her a place in his inner circle when the world said she wasn't worthy of teaching. See, he's the one who mourned with her. He's the one who restored life back into her family. He's the one who praised her for her devotion to him when his disciples rebuked her. See, a life poured out at the feet of Jesus is never a waste. Judas, he wasted his life. He might not have looked like it, He might have seemed like he was doing the right things, like he was doing something valuable, something worthwhile. He was in the right circles. He was working alongside a rabbi, but in his heart, he was motivated by the wrong things. Money, influence, power. So much so that he missed out on loving, knowing, and giving his life in devotion to Jesus. And he eventually gave up the only thing worth having for 30 pieces of silver. He traded Jesus for the world and he wasted his life. But Mary, Mary didn't waste her life. She spent it sitting at the feet of Jesus. She spent it learning from, weeping with, and worshiping her king. Pouring your life out at the feet of Jesus will never be a waste. Looking back at this narrative, who do you relate more to? Is it Mary or Judas? I think this might be unpopular to say and maybe even uncomfortable for us to think about, but I really think that a lot more of us might look more like Judas than we think. I know I do. 
See, we have to remember that before he betrayed Jesus, Judas, he looked like he was using his life well. He followed Jesus for three years. He was in the right circles. He was doing ministry. He was healing people. From the outside, he would have looked like he wasn't wasting his life, but at the end of the day, he wasn't doing it because he loved Jesus. See, I know a lot of you, and I know that you're involved in the right things. You're getting involved in the good stuff. You're joining philanthropic organizations. You're tutoring in your spare time. You're leading small groups. You're trying to be a good friend. You wanna get a job where you can make a real difference in the world. You wanna get involved in justice-oriented movements. And these are good things, right? They're good things. But if we're doing them because we wanna look good or because we want to impress other people, or maybe just because we like the good feeling that we get when we help someone else out, well, we're just wasting our time. See, you can look good on the outside, but if you're not doing it from a place of deep devotion to Jesus, from a desire to see his kingdom built on earth above all else, well, then it's only ever gonna be surface deep. Like, you'll do the things, but not if it costs too much. Not if it means that you have to give up things like money, status, or reputation. You'll be willing to donate $10 here and there to the different organizations, but you're not really willing to give up eating out a couple times a month or buying the new shoes or getting the latest gaming system so you can actually devote 10% of your income to Christ. You'll go to church, but when it comes to standing up for truth in other circles, well, you're probably gonna stay silent. And you'll post on social media about injustices that you see in the world, but when you start to notice it in your own heart, when you start to notice it in the heart of your friends and your family, well, you might tend to shy away from hard conversations. See, none of us wants to waste our lives, but until you are willing to pour out your entire life at the feet of Jesus, you will fall short. Maybe some of you here tonight, you actually look a little bit more like Judas after he betrayed Jesus. And I don't mean that in an intense, I think you're gonna betray your friends kind of a way, but in a, it's pretty clear that you're uninterested in Jesus' way. Like you don't want to waste your life, but you're gonna try to make it matter in another way. Maybe that means that you're gonna to try to make as much money as possible so that you can experience as much of the world, travel, see all the things. Maybe it means that you're gonna put a lot of effort into your appearance so that you can date as many people as possible, so you can experience as much sex and romance and affirmation as possible. Or maybe you're all about legacy. All you wanna do is make your life count so people will remember you, so society will thank you for the contributions that you've made. At the end of the day, you just, you don't wanna waste your life on faithfulness. Maybe you'll get to Jesus someday, but for now, you'd rather spend your time at the feet of money, at the feet of pornography, the feet of sex, status, success, power, politics. 
you're not quite ready to pour out your life at the feet of Jesus. Here's the thing, though. Not one of us is promised tomorrow. See, we all have to make a choice. Every single one of us in this room, we have to answer the question, am I wasting my life? See, because money, we can't take it with us when we die. Sex and romance, that's only going to be available to you as long as you're seen as attractive to the world. And pornography, it's nice while it lasts, but the second you turn it off, it leaves you feeling dissatisfied, always wanting and needing more. And a legacy, it's fine, but honestly, you're gonna have to do something earth-shattering for more than just your great-great-grandkids to maybe remember your first name. See, a life poured out at the feet of Jesus, knowing him and loving him is the only way to know we aren't wasting our lives. Because Jesus is God. He created you. He made a way for you to live your life that's good. A way that makes a difference in the lives of others, not so that you can feel better about yourself, but so that you can participate in bringing restoration to a broken world alongside your king whom you love. See, living life that way, it's not easy. It's risky, but it's the only way to satisfy our longing for meaning. The only way to bring real joy into our lives, the only way that allows us to experience real rest. Jesus is giving us the answer. A life spent at my feet is never a waste. How can we know? How can we know that we aren't wasting our lives? But we have to live them like Mary unashamedly pouring them out at the feet of Jesus every chance we get. John Patton, he was a missionary in the late 1800s, and he chose to spend his life ministering to cannibals. And when he made this decision and he started telling friends and family, well, people in his church, they started to object a little bit. They were concerned. Uh, One guy in particular said, very factual, you'll be eaten by cannibals, which is a fair point. But listen to how he responds to them. Listen to what he says. My dear sir, you're getting up in years and soon will be laid in the grave and eaten by worms. If I can but live and die honoring the Lord Jesus, it doesn't matter to me whether I'm eaten by cannibals or by worms. And on resurrection day, my body will arise as fair as yours. See, even when the people around him thought he was throwing his life away, John Patton had confidence that he was not wasting his life. He knew and loved his king. He followed Mary's lead, and he poured his life out at the feet of Jesus. John knew Jesus was worth wasting everything for because a life poured out at the feet of Jesus is never really a waste. Do we believe that tonight? Do we believe that it's worth sacrificing everything? 
Are we willing to waste what the world might call valuable? To pour out our entire lives at the feet of Jesus? Do we want to be at the feet of Jesus more than anywhere else? Guys, I think it's going to come down to whether or not we're a group of people who see Jesus like John Patton saw him, who know Jesus like Mary knew him. But in order to do that, we have to spend time with him, to abide with him like Justin talked about a few weeks ago. Jesus has to be the one we learn from, the one we weep with, the one we run to in times of mourning, the one we show our deepest devotion and loyalty to. He has to be the one that we're willing to waste everything for. See, when we spend time with Jesus, we begin to see that Jesus, he's our good shepherd, our living water, our light in the darkness, our king and our friend. When we recognize that the king of the universe wants to teach you to weep with you, when we recognize that Jesus is the most valuable thing in the world, well, guys, there's no doubt in my mind that not a single life in this room will ever be wasted. Are we gonna be a people that follow Mary's lead? Because a life poured out at the feet of Jesus is never wasted. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Veritas Mizzou podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, please be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This helps other people find our content so that they can be encouraged too. Most importantly, to get connected to Veritas, check out our weekly meeting on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. on Mizzou's campus. For specific details about where we meet, how to join a small group, or more information about Veritas, visit us online at veritasmizzou.com. To stay in the loop with what we're up to, follow Veritas Mizzou on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening.